Life Church today. It's great to see you again uh, and, uh, and uh, to have you here with us today. Wow, this section is really full, and I'm delighted that you came. I, I know you're tolerating me, but those babies are beautiful, aren't they? And so, uh, yeah, you're like, yeah, those are my grandkids. I'm, I'm told that, that that's a reward for not killing your own children. Is that true? I need some hope today, people. I'm just asking. I have two daughters. I have a 12-year-old and a 16, soon to be 17-year-old, and I live in the Hormone Hilton, so please, please pray for me. Yeah, I have to laugh to keep from crying. So anyhow, it is great to see you today, especially on this, this beautiful weekend, and to have you out. And after the service tonight, we've got what we call Autumn Nights, and that just means it's a, an opportunity for us to be able to kind of hang out. Uh, get to know each other, and so you're all welcome to do that. There's going to be food vendors that are going to be there uh, in the parking lot, and there's uh, um, all types of things in, uh, uh, for kids that are just free. Just a good, you know, I was raised in church when basically if there was a day of the week, you did something at church. And so, uh, and so we used to do Sunday night church, which I'm not prescribing to go back to because I like my naps, and I miss the wonderful world of Disney growing up. Six o'clock, I hated that. And the Super Bowl, I still have not. I'm in therapy today because of that. And uh, so I don't want to go back to Sunday nights. But one of the things I always loved about Sunday nights is you'd have, all, you'd have these afterglows. We come up with crazy things in church, don't we? We call them all these things. Afterglows. Where do you call it afterglows? Anyhow, but so, so we decided, hey, on Saturday night, this is a great time to be able to kind of hang out and connect. And so I hope that you'll stay around. I'd love to get to know you and to meet you. The staff will be there, uh, and uh, we're going to have a great time. And so, again, you've chosen a great, great time to be with us. Today, I want to talk to you for a few minutes as we consider, as we continue this series called DNA. And it's kind of the fabric of this church, of what we're called to be. Um, I want to talk to you about the power of connection. And, uh, and, and, and some people call it the power of community, uh, and I agree with that, although sometimes the word community is diluted to think that it's something that's a civic or a local thing. Uh, that's where that comes from, actually. But, but, but I want to talk to you about the power of connection. And so one thing I want to start, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to uh, Acts chapter 2. I'm going to get there in just a minute. I'm going to have a couple of other verses, but that's going to be my primary text. Acts chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen for you. And uh, for those of you that say your Bible's on your phone, you're actually playing games. Remember, you're in church, you go to hell for lying. So I'm just saying, so whatever. Um, but, but, but as we talk about the power of connection, I've got two magnets in my hand. And, and I like kind of playing with magnets. And the thing about magnets is, is that they have two different poles of magnetism. And one kind of connects very quickly. These are pretty strong. I, I've already snipped my fingers a few times. And uh, my assistant gave me these. Thank you, Courtney. So I'm going to hurt myself. I really think so. So uh, you do that. But if you go to the opposite side, they, they repel each other. And you can't see the force, but I can feel it. Uh, I'm from the South, so feel it. Work with me, people. So I, I can feel the force, and it's repulsive. It's, it's repelling. It's because I'm trying to, to basically take two of the same sides and put them together because it's not attractional. And... And this is pretty true of how we are as humans. It's interesting to me how the more we do science and the more that we, we understand these things, the more that we realize that science actually affirms who God is. Science actually affirms the Bible that you're holding in your hand. Uh, I had to do a, uh, in my systematic theology class uh, for this um, graduate degree that I'm doing for theology, I had to do a uh, a thesis, uh, a, a paper in essence, that was about 10 pages on if I was invited to a liberal arts college or secular university and was asked to be 
the voice of what we as Christians believe along with a panel of other people. Could I defend what I believe uh, without actually quoting chapter and verse? That's very interesting, especially being a pastor. And what's true is, is that the world in which we live, according to Romans chapter 1, actually declares who God is. It actually substantiates the God of the universe in in whom we serve. And, And it actually all comes together. And the more that you learn, the more that you realize that even things like the laws of physics, these, this magnetic piece and the repulsive piece actually are really a lot of how we are wired. Everything begins to affirm everything else. This reciprocity of the universe, if you would. I'm not going to Oprah on you. Just hold on with me for a second. But this is really affirming. And you see this whole thing in people. You see this, this connection with people. And you see the repulsion, the, 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 the lack of connection all the time. And we observe this all the time. Now, I, I, I do people. That's, I'm a pastor, and uh, my name's Aaron. Nice to meet you. And so I watch people all the time, and I, I love sitting in public places and watching people because it is amazing what people will do in public. No joke. And, um, and so, you know, you go to a, a coffee shop that's kind of buzzing and kind of going through, and you'll find people connecting with one another, meeting with one another, maybe for coffee in the morning or in the afternoon. You'll see them connecting. You go to a restaurant that's kind of a hot spot, and, and uh, if it's a great restaurant, people are not eating there by themselves. Just like a fast food place or just kind of a, just a local place, people will eat by themselves. But a great restaurant, well, people don't just sit and eat by themselves. They want to meet somebody. They want to connect with someone. Maybe it's someone that they're in love with. Maybe it's someone that they're, they, maybe it's in-laws or outlaws. Maybe they're trying to impress a client. But they're trying to come together. And you see these connecting points uh, at sports events. You can go to sports events, you can go to Lambeau Field, and you will not know the people sitting around you necessarily. But because you're all on the same team, or you better hope that you are, uh, as long as you're a Packer fan, man, you're family. And if you happen to have on a Lions jersey this weekend, God help you. Right? Because even if you win, we'll kill you. Welcome to Wisconsin. So I'm just saying it's, it's this type of a deal that we have. It's this connecting piece. But you can also see a repulsion of that. Go anywhere where there's public transit. I don't care if it's an airline uh, or if it's a bus, if it's a subway system. Uh, you put people, I don't care if you're on the train in Atlanta going from Terminal A to Terminal D to catch your next flight. If people don't know each other, they have no regard for the people that are around them. They have no real connection with anybody that's around them. And they're just simply trying to get their job done, trying to get their thing done. Anybody been to the DMV lately? Need I say more? And if you work for the DMV, I'm so sorry. But it's the truth, isn't it? Right? We're all in church. Let's not lie about this. I mean, it's one of those things where it's just like there's not this connecting piece. There's nothing from the fluorescent lights to the hard plastic chairs to get a number, please, sir. That's not your number. To, to, To the whole thing that's just not really welcoming and inviting. Why? It's not set up for connection. And, and we, I want to give you a statement that, that I'm just going to speak about for the next few minutes. We have all been created with a need to connect. We've all been created with a need to connect. God created you, God created me, and all of us on this planet with an internal need to connect with one another. Let me show you this. God created us with this need. Genesis chapter 1 Verse 26, the Bible says, Then God said, Let us, notice the personal pronoun that's plural, us, make man in our, second personal plural pronoun, in our image and according to our own likeness. 
God himself is not alone. God himself has never been alone. It's a triune Godhead. It's a trinity. It's a Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The three, the three that come together in one. You cannot separate them. They are three distinct individuals, but at the same time, they're all one. And you can't have one without the other. And so God created you and I in his image and in his likeness, or the, the way the, the, the Bible puts it, in our image or in our likeness. We, you and I as individuals, were created in the likeness of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We were created in his image, which means if God himself is not alone, if God himself does not go anywhere by himself, why in the world, or to use a good old southern euphemism, why in the sand hill do you think that you need to be? We don't. God even goes on in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, when he watches man after he's created him, and he makes this statement, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. So we see throughout Scripture, we see in our own lives that this connection is expressed. It's expressed in marriage. That's where we see it. God creates a woman at that point, and the two shall become one flesh. We see it expressed in family. I mean, that's what's happening even today with those of you that are here because of the babies and the baby dedication. You're here. It's family. We want to support one another. We, we have a connection to one another. Those beautiful little children that were on this platform just a minute ago, they're all connected to us. And the greater the degree of connection is the greater the degree of our care and our concern. We're, we're, our, that connection is expressed in friends. I mean, we all have, or we should have, maybe you want to have friends. We need that. And we see this expressed in media. We see it expressed in our lives. We see, every, we, we see this total thing of that, this friendship, this ideology, this, 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 this thought that we need it. And it's also expressed in the local church. And when connection, like a magnet, is not expressed in a family, in a marriage, and there is repulsion, you got problems. Intimacy's gone. Relationship's over. You don't sleep in the same room, sleep in the same bed. You try not to eat at the same time. When, when, when everything's great with the family, you got great connections, right? Great relationships. Everything's all, we're clicking, it's good. But when it's not, oh my goodness, family can really be funky, can it? It's just, amen. It can really be funky and it, it, there's a repulsion that's there. And friendships. Again, did I tell you that I'm the father of two teenage daughters? Please pray for me. <laughs> In the age of social media, it hypes everything up. I told Tammy, I said, the only thing that's great about social media, I, don't, I hate social media. The only thing that's great about social media is that my phone is not ringing off the hook. Because when we were teenagers, it was like, Bring you, hello, hello. You know, I mean, it was just ringing constantly. And then if the dad, if I was calling a girl's house and the dad answered the phone, oh, hello, Mr. Jones. Hi. I mean, I couldn't talk. And so, I mean, with friendships, you know, they're BFFs one day, and then they have, they have unfriended each other the next, or whatever they do. I don't know, Snapchat. Facebook is no longer cool. You have to ask Tammy. And local church. Man, nothing works like the local church works when the local church works the way local church is designed to work. Amen? 
If any of you don't understand what I just said, you can say amen. I mean, there's just, there's just connection. There's this whole connection. We're clicking together. We're in sync with one another. But if something goes wrong at church, it is like the most sour of relationships, isn't it? Because we just don't want that. We fight hell and hang on all week long. The last place we want to deal with it is when we come to God's house to worship. So why is church... Because I believe church is the fullest expression of connections. Why? Because it embodies all the things that we've talked about. In church, it's a place where you come to get married. In church, it's a place where you come to celebrate family, what we just did with baby dedications. In church, it's an expression of some of probably the closest and dearest friends that you have. You've met them in church. They are in church, They're, or you want to get them into church. I mean, there's this connecting piece, and that's not by accident. Acts chapter 2, we began to read how the birth of the New Testament church, the power of the Holy Spirit has come. The person of the Holy Spirit has come. There's been this dispensation of the Holy Spirit, if you would, that has come to the planet since Jesus Christ has come to the earth, died for our sins, risen again, just like the Bible says, and he's ascended to the right hand of the Father. He said that he would not leave us nor forsake us, but that he would send a comforter. He would send one that would walk alongside of us. He would send a guide that would be with us, the person of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit would point to Jesus because he's the hope of the world. And the Holy Spirit would convict us of our sins and would comfort us until Jesus comes back to get us and take us home, take us to heaven. And so the Holy Spirit's been poured out and the New Testament church has been birthed. And so this New Testament church has basically gone from 100 people, 120 people in an upper room in a prayer meeting to, to basically the, the, the church has now exploded and there were literally 3,000 people one day in one event that come to faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ and the church is growing. And in the process of this growth, we see this power of connection that takes place. We see this magnetic connecting that's taking place. We also will read on how the, the enemy is not liking it. Satan doesn't like it and he tries to build in this repulsion and, and he tries to do it through relationship. I don't have time to go into it, but if you read the New Testament, you will notice that in just a couple of chapters, there's a few widow women that weren't getting their fair allotment of the food. And the entire revival stops. Not because people weren't spiritual enough, not because people aren't praying, not because people weren't tithing, not because people weren't doing anything, but because there was a problem, there was a repulsion, there was a lack of connection relationally. And so the disciples say, hey, it's not good for us to, to, to be doing everything. So we need to find men that we can entrust to take care to make sure these problems don't happen. All of a sudden they work out the issues and connection takes place again and they're off and running. And I want you to see though this power that takes place. It's recorded in Acts chapter two, verse 42 through 47. This is what every great church has. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which is the Bible, and to fellowship. To the breaking, what's fellowship? The breaking of bread and prayer. So it's physical and it's spiritual. Everyone was filled with awe and wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods as they gave to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, in church. And then they broke bread, where? In their homes. 
And they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, I want you to see, I just kind of want to walk, walk to this passage for a few minutes, the connection that how, how the connection is expressed in local church. We see it here. And this is a value that we have at Life Church. That's why I'm talking about it. This is something that I value in the local church. This is something that, that honestly, if this isn't here, God is like, peace out, Girl Scout. When you guys quit fighting and you really want to love one another, I'll come back. This is what's devoid in a lot of churches in our world in which we live in. This is a commodity, if you would, for lack of a better term, that is the most precious, one of the most precious things that we have. Because when, what ha, this is the reason why. When we have a right vertical relationship with God, horizontal relationships come into play. When you don't have correct horizontal relationships, it's because something's wrong here. You go to a church where these things aren't existent, it's because this is wrong. I'm telling you, this is wrong. You, you get around someone who cannot be friendly or kind or warm or has no friends or connections. They have a tendency to repel people. Maybe not instantly, but give them a little bit of time. They can give them a little space and they'll do it. It's because there's a wrong thing going on here. But when this is right, this will come into line. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to like everybody. Did you hear what I just said? Let's rewind the table on that one. It doesn't mean you're going to like everybody in church. But it does mean that you're going to find a groove. You're going to find a connection. You're going to find an area which you fit. That's the beautiful mosaic of the body of Christ. There's not, pardon the expression, there's not one way to skin a cat. If you like cats, I'm sorry, I don't. I really like the expression. But you understand what I mean. It's, there's multiple ways to do this thing. So I just want to show you what we observe here, this connection that's happening. First of all, and this is all in verse 42, they're growing together. They're growing together. They're, they're, they're coming together, and they're learning, and they're maturing. What are they doing? They're learning how to self-feed. What do you mean by that? Here's what I mean by this. A lot of people te- treat the church like this is the place to get your spiritual nourishment. This is part of that regiment, but it's not the whole piece. My job as a local pastor is, is to be the food dude, right? To serve up the bread of life. John chapter 7, to serve the bread of life hot and fresh every week, to build a believer and serve the seeker. But how many of you know you can't live on one meal a week? And if you can, God help you. What a horrible life. But I, I eat every day, all the time. And I'm told by health experts, you should have many meals. Keep your metabolism up. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm just saying, that's the deal. But, but the, so what, what this does is what you see here is through relationship, you begin to grow and develop so that you can begin to get into God's word for yourself. You can begin to learn what it says for yourself so that when we come together corporately, if you're a mature Christ follower, you can help me with those that are brand new in their faith and those that are far away from God. You understand that church isn't about you. You understand that church is for lost people. And we come together and we corporately worship God and God shows up and God does amazing things. But he does those, if you read in verse 45, those miracle signs and wonders. Miracle signs and wonders are who? For those that have not yet believed. 
You want to know why miracle signs and wonders don't happen today? It's not because people aren't praying enough. It's not because there aren't needs in the world. It's because we've got a bunch of I chair Christians that show up to church every week and they basically want the preacher to come out and come on, preacher boy. Come on, circus boy. Show me something new today. Open the Bible and tell me something I've never seen before. It's about me. It's about I. Read scripture. Read what Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. The miracles and the signs and the wonders are to be a testimony. They're to be a confirmation of who Jesus is. Should they be happening in our local settings? Yes. Why do they not happen? Because we're the lost people. They're not for a bunch of navel-gazing, kumbaya, go-to-hell community Christians. And so what happens is, is in the context of the local church, as you began to get in relationship, you began to get in connection, you began to learn how to grow and develop. You began to learn how to feed on God's word for yourself. You began to learn the value of spiritual maturity and spiritual maturation. You began to develop yourself. You began to develop your spirit. You began to now, because here's what happens. I, I, Tammy and I youth pastored for almost a decade, and and and. This is why we took kids on mission trips. When an infinite God flows through a finite creature to touch another finite creature, purpose is created. That's why your kids go on mission trips and you get them out of their norm and they're looking to God, they're looking to Jesus, they're looking, listening to the voice of, of, of the Lord that's in their life. The Bible said the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. We should know that. And so as God begins to speak, as God begins to move, God begins to flow through them. And there's something when the creator flows through his creation. Nothing else like it can be simulated. So what I want you to do, what, what Luke is writing to us here in Acts chapter 2 is what was happening in the local church is they weren't just getting it in church. They were going back in their homes and they were studying the apostles' teaching. Small groups. Life groups, doing life together, one-on-one, small groups, couples, women, men, young adults, senior adults, empty nesters, people in the thick of life with six kids. You don't know how you had all six kids. I don't need to explain that to you right now, but you understand all of this stuff going on. Grow together. Second connecting piece that we see there in verse 42 is that they're being together. They're being together. Again, this is a value that would have been very well understood in an Eastern culture in which the Bible was written. It's very difficult for us to understand as Westerners. Let me just tell you right now, I am the pot calling the kettle black when I'm preaching on this. Because I'm very good at doing. I do not like being. Here's what I mean by this. I was invited to go to a silent prayer retreat. 48 hours with no talking. I'm sweating. I'm uncomfortable. No. What, what am I going to do if I can't talk for 48 hours? You just need to be, Aaron. I sit down with a counselor that I meet with regularly, and I meet with a counselor because I don't want to have to meet with a counselor. I feel like it's better. I'm going to do with it one way or the other, so better to get to choose to than have to. But anyhow, it's another it's a long story. And so I'm, I'm telling him this, and he says to me, you're physically uncomfortable telling me this. Your rate of voice, you're, you're, I mean, I'm sweating right now as I'm talking about it. I, I just, the idea of being alone for, for 48 hours not talking is, whoa! 
You, you want me, drop me in the middle of Times Square for 48 hours. I will survive and thrive, baby. Drop me in the middle of anywhere where there's people. I will shake hands, hug necks. I, we will have a time. But you want me to go nuts? Just put me alone. And here's the deal is, most of us are like this. I, tell me what you want me to do, pastor. Tell me what you want me to do, pastor. Tell me what you want me to do, God. Jesus, tell me what you want me to do. What does Jesus say in John's gospel? It's not in my doing that he's magnified. It's in my being. If you will abide in me, Jesus said, and my words will abide in you. If you will just be in me, Aaron, if you will just max and relax, if you'll just take a chill pill, if you'll just cool your heels, slow your roll, I can work in your life. What do I want to do? Help God out. Just go, 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 do, 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 do. I just, I'm going What we see here is that they're doing life together. They're just being together. Can I tell you that great things happen when you're just around great people? When you're around people who have a spiritual maturity that may be a little bit higher than yours, you, you can learn just by watching them, just by being around them. Talk to people that have been married for a long time. And they've married, they've married well, not people that have married bad. People that have married well, they've chosen well. They're a better person because of whom they married. I'm a much better person 20 years later because of, of Tammy. Tammy's a much better person because of me. No, I'm just, I'm, 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 I had a Hallmark moment that I ruined it, right? But you understand what I'm saying? We become better just by being around people. You know, there's some people that just make you better. It's not in what they do. It's just in who they are. It's that incarnational presence of Jesus. I got to move on. The next thing we see in verse 42 is that they ate together, eating together. Yeah, I'm going to get there. Eating together. Now, I really want you just to give me, just, just give me about 60 seconds, maybe 120 seconds, possibly 190 seconds. But just give me a few seconds just on this. Because this eating together thing is spiritual. You see it all throughout Scripture. There's over two dozen times where Jesus is at the table just in the Gospel of Luke alone. He's at the table. He's at the table. He's at the table. Why is that? Even, even communion is called the Lord's table. He, Jesus chooses, God chooses to represent the, 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 this, this redemptive process called the cross through what? Through food. Through bread. I'm not being sacrilegious. Please don't misunderstand me. And through the cup, the fruit of the vine, which represents the blood of Jesus Christ, and the physical bread, which, which represents his, his, his physical body. Why? Why is it that we see this happening here? Why is it that it's so important? Here's why. Because food is a physical example of a spiritual reality. In the life of a believer, food is a physical example of a spiritual reality. Let me explain this. The Bible says that if I, that, that I am made up of spirit and of flesh on a very simplistic level, and that I feed my physical body with food. And the same way that I build up my physical man with food is the same way in which I build up my spiritual man with spiritual food. What am I supposed to eat? That's the reason why Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I'm to consume him. How do I consume him? John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Jesus is the Word made flesh. 
So as I devour the Word of God in my life, as I feast upon the Word of God on my life, as I dine upon the Word of God in my life, I grow my spiritual man. The same way as I sit down to a great dinner and I dine on it and I eat on it and I feast on it, do I fulfill the needs of my physical man? What you're going to do in a few minutes just by hanging out and eating together, don't take lightly those things. I know it's just food, and I understand it can turn into gluttony really fast, and, uh, you know, let's don't go there, right? But I'm saying to you, there's a power in having that. And when there's an absence of that, there's an absence of connection. And so we see they ate with one another. And the last thing they did was they prayed with one another. They prayed together. They prayed together. Well, prayer is really spiritual. We know that because just by saying prayer, that's spiritual, right? But why is it important that we don't just pray alone, but we pray together? Because there's power in multiplied people coming together in the name of Jesus. Matthew chapter 18, verse 19 and 20. Jesus says, if two or more of you are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. When you cry out to God, is he there? Yeah. But Jesus says, hey, I want you to know when two or more of you come together, there's this power of agreement. There's this community that's happened. You, you began to reflect the triune Godhead, a Father, Son, Holy Spirit. When two or more come together in my name, I'm there. Ask anything according to my word and it will be done for you by the Father in heaven. Why? Because I'm there. Why? Because one may put a thousand to flight, but two will put 10,000 to flight. Why? Because there's multiplied power when your faith and my faith and our faith is linked together. And this is the power. In the middle of the night, when you've got to go to the hospital, when you don't know which way is up, when you don't know if the baby's going to make it, when you don't know what's going to go on, you cry out to God. But if there's somebody there with you, that stands in the gap with you, that says, I will pray and I will fast and I will plead with you. Jesus says, you will be heard. You know the power of that? Is I can go back to the book and say, God, you said, I didn't write this thing, you wrote it. Matthew 18, 19. And you're responsible for two things, God, your principles and your promises of your word. I'm asking that you will perform your word in my life in this situation now. There's something happens when we begin to pray together. There's something happens when we begin to come together and pray. And I want you to notice something as I wrap this up. Where did all this occur? Did it occur in church? Did it occur in a special service? No. That's where it begins. The connection, it be, this connection begins there, but it, it, it's, it's not where it occurs. It occurs in homes. Look at verse 46 of Acts chapter 2. We just read it, but I want to read it again. And every day they continue to meet together in the temple, in the church. But they broke bread in their homes, and they ate together in their homes with glad and sincere hearts where in their homes. Because it happens here. It begins here at the church, but it occurs in these life groups. It occurs in these small groups. The church began with 120, but quickly grew to 3,000. In Acts chapter 2, verse 47, it says they continue to grow. And I want you to understand that numbers and that growth is not bad. A big church is not necessarily a good church. A small church is not necessarily a bad church. A growing church is always a good thing, and an ungrowing church is an unhealthy thing. 
It doesn't matter if you're growing from 100 to 120. Praise God, you're growing. It doesn't matter if you're growing from 1,000 to 2,000. Praise God, you're growing. But it doesn't matter if you've got 20,000 people and you've been 20,000 people for five years. Something's wrong. And at some point in, 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 in your spiritual development, you don't just keep growing. You begin to reproduce yourself. So that may reflect in church plants. It may reflect in campuses. It may reflect in, in some type of a satellite system that you begin to replicate yourself throughout a region of, of where God's called you to be. But the reality is his growth isn't bad. And so don't ever believe the thing that says, well, it's a big church and I can't know, know people. You know the same number of people in a large church as you do in a small church. You will know 35 people pretty well, less than a dozen intimately, and you will know the names of about 150 people. I knew most people's names until we got to about 750, 800. But you have to understand, I'm wired like that. And if you come up to me and ask me your, your name, I'm intentionally going to tell you today, I don't know your name, even if I know your name. Because some people go, what's my name? I don't know. Okay, so, okay, I just want to let you know that. I was thinking that. So today, as a life church is a growing church, uh, the, the key's connection, and, and we connect this through life groups. And I just want to say one real quick thing. You've got a guide that's on the seat in front of you. If you want to grab that, you can if you've not looked at that. And if, if Life Church isn't your home church or you're not here right now, that's fine. But uh, if this is your home church, I want to encourage you how what I'm talking about, this connection I'm talking about, how this occurs, does not occur in a group setting. In a large group setting, it, it, it occurs in these small groups, in these life groups. So we've created different times, different locations throughout the city, different subject matters, different interests, different spiritual growth levels. Why? To make connection easy. And if you show up at a life group and you don't like it, you don't have to ever show back up again. And if they ask you why, you can tell them this. Pastor Aaron said, I don't have to tell you. <laughs> we don't have weird life groups. But in case some fruit flake or nut gets through the system, like how they got over the fence at the White House and got in the building today, the other day, I'm just saying it can happen. Holla. So if something like that happens, we'll deal with it. You just tell us, look, man, I don't know what these people were doing. I don't know what they were smoking, at crack, whatever. But I'm telling you, this is not good. We will change it because we don't do this. Look, I don't like weird. You need to understand that. It's, this is not like... I mean, what's, because I mean, think about it. You go to somebody's house and you're like, man, I don't know these people. I'm going to pull up. We don't know them. You know, I mean, everybody, everybody's idea of a clean house is different. And we got all these things going on. We're going to eat. And some of you really are germaphobes. And some of you will eat anything. That, if it falls on the ground for five minutes, it's not even the five-second rule. Yeah, I'll eat that. Some of you won't touch any. I mean, there's all these things going on. I get it. I really get it. I get it. So we really work hard to make sure that these groups are set up so that it makes it so that you can connect. But I want to encourage you to do just that. So before we wrap everything up today, I want you to see just a real quick, I think it's a minute and 50 seconds, of a testimony of, of someone here at Life Church who just in the last couple of years has experienced this. Check this out, and I'll come back and close. Ecclesiastes 4.10 states that if you fall, your friend can help you. But if you fall without having a friend nearby, you are really in trouble. And I believe that's really where life groups and life change intersect. I started my first life group in the fall of 2009. I signed up for a women's Bible study. Really wasn't sure what it was all about, didn't know much about the Bible, didn't really know anybody in the group. Um, so that first meeting was a little nerve-wracking. 
But I can honestly say after two years with these ladies, just diving into the Word and, and doing study guides and things like that, I walked away with lifelong friends. These ladies really have become part of my life, you know, the ups, the downs, laughing, crying together, praying together. They just really make me feel like I'm part of a family. My experience with Life Church up until joining that life group really had been just pretty neutral. I would come in just at the last minute, slip into my seat, and as soon as service was over, I was out of there. And my experience after that first life group just it just completely changed. I really just felt like I was knit into the fabric of this church into just a family of believers. So if you're thinking about joining a life group, if you're not sure if you'll have the time, if you're not sure because um, you don't know anybody, I just really would encourage you, just sign up. Life groups really are what bridge the gap between coming to church on Sunday and becoming part of a family of believers, just something bigger than yourself. So that's exactly what I want to do today. And we're going to wrap things up. We're going to get ready to give you an opportunity to give. But you've got a communication card. And if you're a first-time guest, again, thank you for being here. We're so delighted. Grandmas, grandpas, aunts, uncles, cousins, family, we're so delighted that you're here today and, uh, and that we're honored that your kids and your grandkids, your nieces and nephews and, and family are here at Life Church. And if you're a regular attender, we're, we're going to get ready to wait on you for the weekend tithe and offering here in just a second as well. But I want to ask everybody that, that this is your church home, whether you've been here for two weeks or the whole, the whole gamut, as long as we've been here. On the backside of the communication card, there's, there's a box that just is a commitment box that you can just check that today I'm going to sign up for a life group. And I'm going to ask every one of you to commit to this. I know for some of you, it's really scary. For some of you, it's that whole being thing over doing thing. Hey, man, I'll work. I'll do something. I'll serve. But you just want me to sit down? I, I'm just saying, we're, look at the, I'm not telling you what group you have to be in. You get to choose that. But, but, but try this. Um, if, whether you're single, whether you're empty nester, whether you're in the thick of life, you'll see all of these groups. They're different times, different places. But I'm going to ask you just to simply check that box on the backside of your communication card. And just make a commitment. Make a decision today. Maybe you don't know exactly what group you're going to. Just check the box. Maybe you're a life group leader. Go ahead and check the box. Maybe you've already signed up for a life group. Just check that box. But we're asking everybody. This is just the next step. This is what we do. Again, I grew up in church with preachers preaching about what we should do, but nobody told me what they wanted me to do or how to do it. This is what I'm asking you to do. Commit to this Acts 2.42 lifestyle. At least this fall, try it. Second thing I'm going to ask you to do is if, is, is if you've not signed up, I'm going to give you just three ways very quickly that you can do this. One, you can go to the lifechurchwi.com website. You can just simply go to the church website, and it will direct you right there, and you can sign up for a life group right there on the website. Secondly, uh, as you leave today, there will be a big orange tent in the foyer, and if you've got a question about a life group you'd like to be involved in, you've got uh, other details, or you just want to sign up, you can do that today or at the end of the service this weekend, any of our weekend services, or next weekend at any of our campuses. And, uh, and then the last thing is, is you just simply, if you know what you want to do, even sitting where you are right now, you can simply write the, the community group code or the life group code right there on your, on your communication card. Just write that on there, and we will automatically we'll sign you up for that life group, and then you'll get a, an email response basically saying, hey, so glad that you're part of this life group. And here's some information. And we're here at the church to help you. We're here to facilitate this. This is our job, our responsibility. 
All of us that work at the church, we're here to help you have this. Because nothing works like the local church works and the local church works the way the local church is designed to work. And as we continue to grow larger, this teaching continues to be more and more and more important. It was in the New Testament church. It's what gave them their strength and their growth. It was the mechanism, the reflexive mechanism for discipleship. It wasn't the weekend service. It was their one-on-one. Just like you heard Jennifer's testimony. Spiritual transformation doesn't take place in rows. It takes place in circles. Life, doing life together. So I want to encourage you to do that.